Let's go while we're young. You mind, sir? Trying to tee off? I bet you slice into the woods a hundred bucks. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir, and I never slice. Damn! Okay, you can owe me. I owe you nothing! Ah, yes, it's another edition of MLB Morning Coffee from the Ocean Avenue Studios here in San Francisco. Happy Monday, everybody, and thanks for tuning in. My name is Greg Moraz. I am your host, as per usual. Make sure that you write a review, leave a rating, and subscribe. As I always say, it helps out our metrics. The more downloads we get, the more support that we get, and the better chance we have of getting this show onto some form of a national platform, although that might take years and dollars and all of that mumbo-jumbo. I also appreciate all of you hanging on with me through the weekend whip-around episodes. I'm trying a couple of new things to try and engage more listenership on the weekends. Traditionally, podcasts do not get as much listenership on the weekends, and I know it's a daily podcast and I miss Saturday. Well, I wanted to try something out new, see if people are going to be more inclined to listen on a Sunday. The numbers really weren't great, so I hope that anybody that listens during the week is going to be willing to listen on the weekend. If not, I totally understand. I am grateful for every little bit of support that I can get. I want to open today's show with something that I figured was going to be a formality given the scheduling of this season, and that is there are a ton of injuries. I'm just looking at the homepage on ESPN.com. I've got headlines that say Acuna on the IL, Chatwood on the IL, LeMahieu on the IL, Bichette on the IL, the Yankees already have Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton on the IL. It is just absolutely ugly when it comes to injuries. Guys are getting hurt left and right. And that's because you've got such an unbalanced schedule, you're trying to cram so many games into a short amount of time that guys aren't able to have their similar recovery periods. And... And granted, I can't necessarily assume that this is true. They're not getting the same type of treatment because they're not at the ballpark as long. They're not able to recover the same way. Baseball players are creatures of habit. They have their routines. They like to stick to their routines. So you're going to see more injuries come throughout the course of this season. Whether they're COVID or not, that remains to be seen. And I don't think we treat that in the exact same way that we treat a normal injury. But I remember back when the NBA had their strike-shortened season of 2012-13, and Derrick Rose got hurt in the regular season and then got hurt in the playoffs when the NBA tried to compress 66 games into around 72 days, and they had a lot of back-to-backs. This is what you're going to face with baseball. Now, granted, baseball is not as high level in terms of intensity as basketball. You're not running as much. You're not playing consistently as much in terms of the amount of time you're actually going full out. But there's still a chance that guys are not used to the timelines that they're being put on. That's not to say that guys shouldn't be able to play, especially if they're a DH, all 60 games. What I'm saying, though, is that this rash of injuries does not surprise me in the slightest. The second topic that I want to go into is the parody that we've seen in Major League Baseball this year. I wanted to do a power rankings at some point during the first half of this season, but then I got to thinking earlier on Sunday, and I just thought to myself, 
Well, you've got a couple of really bad teams. So the Red Sox are really bad, and the Pirates are really bad. I think the San Francisco Giants are now trending in the category of really bad. But there really is not an elite team. For a while, I thought it was the Cubs, but they just got swept by the Brewers, and I don't think their bullpen is anything to write home about. I thought that the Rockies were going to be the best team in the National League for a little bit. Their pitching has come back down to earth. I thought the Yankees were going to be the outspoken studs of the American League, but they've got injuries. The Twins have fallen back to earth a little bit. The Dodgers are trending up at the right time. I still don't trust a lot of their bullpen. They don't have the same horses, and Kenley Jansen is not the same guy that he used to be, although Brewster Gratterall is going to be one stud of a reliever down the road. But in a year like this year, you just need to be hot at the right time. You need to be a good baseball team, not an elite baseball team. Because who the hell knows what's going to happen once you get to the playoffs? Because you've got eight teams from each league that are going to make it. We've seen it already in hockey. The best team doesn't always win. Now in basketball, the better team usually wins in a five or a seven game series. But in baseball, who knows? If a team is hot going into the playoffs and they're an eight seed or a seven seed, they very well might upset the one or the two seed. And again, in a 60-game schedule, there's already this assumption that a team like the Cubs or a team like the Dodgers or a team like the A's is already in. And I don't think that's the case at all. By the way, I didn't put the A's in my elite category because I don't believe in their starting pitching. And while they're hitting a lot of homers, they're not hitting for a high average. So I need to see a lot of those averages on the A's come up before I can put them in that close-to-elite category. And that's as good a segue as any to start with on our recap segment. The Oakland A's had two insane comeback victories on Friday and Saturday. Down five going into the top of the ninth, they forced extras and won it in the tenth. On Saturday, down three going into the top of the ninth, they scored four and won it in regulation. On Sunday at Oracle Park against the San Francisco Giants, the A's, well, the game was never really in doubt. And that one's hit well to left field. And that baby is gone. Another monster home run by the Athletics. This one's a three-run shot. And the A's have busted it open. It's 9-2. That Stephen Piscotty homer flew over 450 feet, part of a nine-run top of the fifth inning. A's crush the Giants 15-3 and sweep the Bay Bridge Series at Oracle Park. Oakland is 16 and 6, San Francisco is 8 and 15. Mike Fires gets the win, he is 2 and 1. He allows 2 runs on 7 hits in 6 innings, 1 walk and 4 strikeouts. Logan Webb takes the loss, he is 1 and 2. He allows 3 runs on 3 hits in 4 and a third innings, 5 walks and 5 strikeouts. Although he doesn't get a lot of the blame in my opinion. Wandy Peralta followed him in the 5th inning and proceeded to give up 5 runs on 4 hits, didn't record an out. Derek Rodriguez then came in, allowed five runs on seven hits in an inning and two-thirds, one walk, and one strikeout. For the A's, homers for Chad Pinder, his second, Stephen Piscotty, his fourth, Marcus Simeon, his third. The Giants had two homers, one from Brandon Belt, his second, one from Brandon Crawford, his first. In that nine-run fifth inning, it was, again, a 2-2 score going into the top of that inning. It was a Pinder two-run homer a Mark Canna two-RBI triple, a Steven Piscotty three-run homer, and a Marcus Simeon two-run homer. 
A's added on two runs in the top of the sixth inning on a two RBI double from Piscotty. Looking at some of the totals for the A's, they had 17 hits in the ball game. Piscotty was the unquestioned star, two for four with five RBI and a run scored. Matt Olson goes three for five with three runs scored. Mark Canna two for four with two RBI and two runs scored. Robbie Grossman one for three with two runs scored, an RBI and two walks. Marcus Simeon, one for five with two RBI as well. Chad Pinder, three for four, pinch hitting for Tony Kemp. He has two RBI and a run scored. For the Giants, Brandon Belt had a three for four performance. Two hit performances at the bottom of the lineup from Brandon Crawford and Mauricio Dubon. The Chicago White Sox hosted the St. Louis Cardinals on Sunday at Guaranteed Rate Field. And the White Sox tied a major league record and also did something that they did Back in 2008. In the air left field. Eloy Jimenez to the line. And gone again. Four in a row. For the 10th time in baseball history, a team hits homers in four consecutive at-bats. And the White Sox last did it in 2008. That was the last time anybody did it in a Major League Baseball game. White Sox beat the Cardinals 7-2, six runs in that bottom of the fifth inning as Juan Moncada hits a three-run homer, followed by a Yasmani Grandal homer, followed by a Jose Abreu homer, and then an Eloy Jimenez homer. Winning pitcher Dallas Keuchel, he is 3-2, two runs on four hits in five and two-thirds innings, two walks and one strikeout. Dakota Hudson takes the loss. He is 0-2. He allows just one run on two hits over four innings, one walk and three strikeouts. Roel Ramirez came on in relief of him and allowed six runs, including all four homers. We didn't mention that was the seventh of the year for Eloy, the first for Grandal, the fourth for Jose Abreu. For the White Sox, it was a very balanced attack as Eloy Jimenez had a two-for-four performance with two RBI. Everybody else had just a single hit except for Edwin Encarnacion and Luis Robert, who went hitless. But again, the White Sox hitting four consecutive homers, that made the big difference. For the Cardinals, they were held to just six hits. Nobody had multiple hits. Matt Carpenter went one for four with two RBI. Nobody had a homer for St. Louis. White Sox are back to 511 and 11. Cardinals are at 500 at four and four. Strange times we live in indeed. We now move on to Buffalo where the Rays and the Blue Jays played a modified doubleheader because the game yesterday between the two clubs was suspended due to rain. Fly ball back into center out the bat of Lau with Carey. Goodbye. Home run for Brandon Lau, and the Rays take the lead. His seventh home run of the year, and it's 3-2. That Brandon Lau homer broke a 2-2 tie in the top of the ninth inning of the suspended game. Rays beat the Blue Jays 3-2 in the second game, which was only scheduled to be seven innings. Tampa beat Toronto 7-5. That one was in eight innings. So extra innings in a seven-inning ball game is an eight-inning ball game. So you get a final in eight innings. Very strange times we live in indeed. Aaron Loop gets the win in the completed game. He is 2-0. Jordan Romano takes the loss. He is 1-1. The save to Nick Anderson, his third. He pitches a scoreless ninth inning. 2-2 score in this game going into the top of the ninth before Brandon Lau hits his seventh homer of the year. Other homer in the game came last night. Austin Meadows hit his second. 
in game two. Rays win 7-5, to five. as we said. This one went to extra innings. Tampa scored a run in the top of the seventh inning thanks to a Yandy Diaz game-tying single and then won it, or rather went ahead, in the top of the eighth inning on a Willie Adamas two-run homer, his second of the year. Homers in the game also for Toronto. Anthony Alford, his first. Vlad Guerrero Jr., his third. Yoshi Tsutsugo for Tampa, his third. And Randall Gritchick for Toronto, his second. The winner, also Aaron Loop, he is 3-0. So Aaron Loop gets the win in both games of the doubleheader as he ends up pitching in both games. The loss to Wilmer Font, he is 1-2. and two, And the save goes to Aaron Sleegers, his first, as he pitches a scoreless eighth inning. Tampa is 14-9. Toronto is 7-11. Box score from game one to give you a couple of the totals. Brandon Lau went 3-for-5 with an RBI and a run scored. Yandy Diaz, 2-for-4 with a run scored. Manuel Margot also went 2-for-4. For For Toronto, Teoscar Hernandez, 2-for-4 with an RBI. Randall Gritchick, 2-for-3 with a run scored. Roddy Telez, 2-for-4 with an RBI. In game two, Yoshi Tsutsugo goes two for three with three RBI. Willie Adamas one for three with two RBI. Kevin Kiermeyer goes two for four for Tampa. For Toronto, Randall Gritchick goes two for four with two RBI and a run scored. Vlad Guerrero Jr. two for three with an RBI and a run scored. A one for three performance with two RBI and a run scored for Anthony Alford. Our next stop takes us to Detroit for the Indians and the Tigers. Leon drives one to right. That ball is out of here. Are you kidding me? First run allowed by John Schreiber this year. And it comes with one out here in the sixth. Sandy Leon's first homer of the season. That Sandy Leon homer breaks a 4-4 tie in the top of the sixth inning. Indians score three in that frame, add on another in the seventh. They beat Detroit 8-5. to the ageless wonder Oliver Perez gets the win out of the Indians' bullpen. He is 1-0. He pitches a scoreless inning. John Schreiber takes the loss. He is 0-1. He allows three runs on three hits in two-thirds of an inning. No save in the ball game. Indians are 13-9. Tigers have hit the skids. They are 9-10. Game was tied up at four going into the top of the sixth inning before that Sandy Leone home run. The other two runs in the inning scored thanks to a Jose Ramirez ground out and a Francisco Lindor RBI double. Homers in the game, Franmil Reyes for Cleveland, his fourth. Francisco Lindor for Cleveland, his fourth. Jose Ramirez for Cleveland, his fifth. Reyes hit his second homer of the game in the top of the seventh inning, his fifth of the season. No homers in the game for the Tigers. Looking at the box score for Cleveland, it was a good day for Francisco Lindor. Three for five with three RBI and a run scored. From Neil Reyes, three for four with two RBI and two runs scored. Delano DeShields Jr., two for four with a run scored. Sandy Leone, one for two with a solo homer, a run scored, and two walks. For Detroit, Miguel Cabrera, two for four with three RBI. Harold Castro had a multi-hit performance for Detroit. He goes three for four with two runs scored. Jaime Candelario goes two for four as well for Detroit. Our next stop will take us to Baltimore for the Nationals and the Orioles. Jammed, base hit. Dugout loves it. Two RBI day for Carter Keeboom. And the opportunistic Nets do it again. Three runs on four hits in the first. Two runs on three hits here in the fifth. 
Nationals edge the Orioles 6-5 to as they score a run in the top of the eighth inning thanks to a throwing error by Rio Ruiz. Winning pitcher Max Scherzer, he is 2-1. and one. The Nationals' ace goes seven innings of five-run baseball, eight hits, one walk, and ten strikeouts. Travis Lakins takes the loss for Baltimore. He is 2-1. and one. He allows an unearned run in two-thirds of an inning, no hits. Two walks, no strikeouts. The save to Daniel Hudson, his fourth, as he pitches a perfect ninth inning with two strikeouts. Nationals pitching had 15 strikeouts combined. This was a back-and-forth affair. Nationals scored three runs in the top of the first inning thanks to an Asdrubal Cabrera RBI single, a Carter Keyboom sack fly, and a Victor Robles RBI single. In the bottom of the first inning, Anthony Santander hits his sixth homer of the year for Baltimore to make it 3-1. to one. Orioles would go down by two more runs thanks to a Kurt Suzuki sack fly and a Carter Keyboom single in the top of the fifth inning. But Pedro Severino would hit his fifth homer of the year, a three-run shot to make it a 5-4 ball game. In the bottom of the seventh inning, Santander hits his seventh homer of the year and his second of the game to tie the game at five before the throwing error in the top of the eighth inning gave the Nationals the lead for good. Washington is 8-11, Baltimore is 12-9. Also worth noting, Jorge Lopez made his Baltimore debut. He went four innings out of the bullpen, allowed two runs on three hits, no walks, and five strikeouts. For Washington, Juan Soto, two for three with three runs scored and two walks. Carter Keboom, one for three with two RBI. Kurt Suzuki, one for three with an RBI. For Baltimore, Anthony Santander, two for four with two solo homers, two RBI and two runs scored. Pedro Severino, three for four with three RBI and a run scored as well. Next stop, Philadelphia for the Mets and the Phillies. The former MVP, Andrew McCutcheon. Whoa, that looked like a no-doubter. As soon as that ball hit the bat, Andrew McCutcheon knew exactly where it was going. Phillies win 6-2. They are now 8-9 on the season. Mets fall to 9-14. Winning pitcher Zach Wheeler, he is 3-0. He allows two runs on six hits over seven innings, one walk, and four strikeouts. The loss to Rick Porcello, he is 1-3. The Mets starter allows four runs on ten hits in six innings, no walks, and six strikeouts. Phillies got the first run of the ball game in the bottom of the first inning on a Reese Hoskins RBI single. Mets get two in the top of the fourth inning on a Luis Guillorme two RBI single. Bottom six, Phillies take the lead for good. Alec Bohm ties the game with an RBI double, and Andrew McCutcheon hits a two-run homer to make it 4-2 Philadelphia. In the bottom of the seventh inning, two more runs are added on by Philly thanks to an RBI single from JT Realmuto and an RBI single from Didi Gregorius. McCutcheon's homer was the only bomb of the ball game for Philadelphia. JT Realmuto goes three for four with a run scored. Alec Bohm two for four with an RBI and a run scored. Bryce Harper two for three with a run scored. Gene Segura one for four with a run scored. Andrew McCutcheon one for two with a two-run homer and one run scored. Scott Kingery goes two for four for Philly. For New York, J.D. Davis two for four with a run scored. Robinson Cano two for four with a run scored. Both RBI coming from Luis Guillorme, who goes one for two with two RBI. We now head down to Miami for the Braves and the Marlins. In two-thirds, Braves have walked three times, and this one's 
Hit hard to right field. That's off the wall. Dansby's going to score. Freeman's coming around third. He's going to score. It's a double for Nick Markakis, and the Braves have blown the game open. Five Atlanta pitchers combined for a two-hit shutout of Miami. Braves blank the Marlins 4 to nothing. Atlanta is 13-10, Miami 9-6. Darren O'Day gets the win out of the bullpen. He is 2-0. He goes an inning and a third of scoreless relief. One hit allowed, no walks and two strikeouts. He came on in relief of Robbie Erlin, who threw four shutout innings of one hit ball with no walks and five strikeouts. Nick Vincent takes the loss for Miami. He is 1-1. One one. He allows a run on two hits in an inning of work. No save in the ball game. Vincent came on in relief of Eliezer Hernandez, who went five shutout innings, three hits allowed, no walks, and nine strikeouts. This game was scoreless until the top of the sixth inning when Nick Markakis hit a tie-breaking RBI single to make it one to nothing. In the top of the seventh inning, Marcel Ozuna walked with the bases loaded, and then Markakis doubled home two to make it four to nothing. Needless to say, Markakis, the offensive star of the show, two for four with three RBI. Dansby Swanson, two for five with two runs scored. Also have to tip your cap to Marcelo Zuna, who goes one for two with an RBI and two walks. For Miami, John Birdie had a hit. Ryan LaVarnway had a hit. Those were the only two hits of the ball game for the Fish. Next stop is Houston, Texas for the Mariners and the Astros. Tucker sends one high and deep to right field. Got a chance. This ball is gone. Walk it off, Kyle Tucker. His first hit of the series, and the Astros win this game 3-2 on Tucker's second home run of the year. Kyle Tucker with a walk-off homer, his second of the year. Astros beat the Mariners 3-2. They sweep Seattle in the series. Ryan Presley picks up the win out of the bullpen. He is 1-1, a scoreless ninth inning. Eric Swanson takes the loss. He is 0-2, allows one run on that homer, records one out. That out was a strikeout. Spoils a great start from Seattle's Justice Sheffield, who allows two runs, one earned on six hits in six innings. Also worth noting that Lance McCullers for Houston went five and two-thirds innings, two runs on three hits, three walks, and seven strikeouts. Houston is back over 500. They are 11-10. and 10. Mariners fall to 7-16. and 16. Houston got the first run of the ball game in the bottom of the second inning on a George Springer RBI single. Top third, Joe Odom with an RBI single to tie the game, and Kyle Lewis with an RBI single to give Seattle the lead. Martin Maldonado tied the game at two in the bottom of the fourth inning with his RBI single, and it remained 2-2 until the Tucker walk-off blast. For Houston, nobody had multiple hits except for Martin Maldonado, who went two for three with an RBI. For Seattle, Kyle Lewis had two of their four hits as he went two for four with an RBI. Mariners drew six walks in the game, two walks drawn by Dylan Moore, and two by Dan Vogelbach. We now head to Minnesota for the Twins and the Royals. That he really wants to hit. He's going to come, try to come back in there with that tailing fastball inside again. Deep to right, it's hit pretty well, and the Twins take the lead. A two-run jolt for Kepler. Max Kepler's sixth homer of the year puts Minnesota in front for good in the bottom of the fifth inning. Twins edge the Royals 4-2, Minnesota 14-8, Royals are 9-13. Randy Dobnak picks up the win. He is 4-1. He allows two runs on three hits in five and a third innings, one walk and three strikeouts. Brady Singer takes the loss for Kansas City. He is 1-2. 
Three runs on four hits in five and two-thirds innings. Four walks and two strikeouts. Sergio Romo picks up the save, his third, as he goes a perfect ninth inning, striking out the side. Kansas City got single runs in the first and the second inning to take a 2-0 lead, both on solo homers from Hunter Dozier in the first, his first, and from Alex Gordon in the second, his second. Twins got their first run of the game in the bottom of the third inning on a Jorge Polanco RBI ground out. Kepler's homer that you just heard occurred in the bottom of the fifth inning, 3-2 in favor of Minnesota at that point, and then a suicide squeeze play from Polanco that drives home Ildemaro Vargas 4-2 in the bottom of the seventh inning. Twins had just six hits in the ball game. Royals had five for Minnesota. Luis Arias, two for four. Miguel Sano goes 0 for 1, but he does draw two walks. Max Kepler, 2 for 4 with 2 RBI. Jorge Polanco, 0 for 3 with 2 RBI. Nobody in the Royals lineup had multiple hits, so we'll just mention the solo homers by Dozier and Gordon. We head back to Chicago for the Brewers and the Cubs. Field halfway here for Ryan Braun. And Braun with a base hit into left center. That'll score Arcia as the Brewers again take the lead. That Ryan Braun go-ahead single in the top of the seventh inning was enough as the Brewers hold on to beat the Cubs 6-5. Milwaukee back to 500. They're 10-10. Cubs are at 13-6. The winner out of the Milwaukee bullpen is Eric Yardley. He is 1-0. He pitches a scoreless sixth inning in relief of Josh Lindblom. Jason Adam takes the loss for Chicago. He allows one run on two hits in the seventh inning. No walks and two strikeouts. Josh Hader picks up the save, his fifth of the year, with a scoreless ninth inning. Cubs scored three runs in the bottom of the first inning on a Kyle Schwarber RBI single and a Steven Souza two-RBI double. Brewers tie it at three in the top of the third inning on a Keston Hiura three-run homer, his fifth of the year. Brewers take a 5-2 lead, or rather 5-3 lead, on Orlando Arcia's first homer of the year, a two-run blast. Cubs tie at bottom six thanks to a Jason Kipnis two-RBI single and then take the lead for good due the Brewers in the top of the seventh on Ryan Braun's RBI single. Brewers had 12 hits in the ballgame. Cubs had just four. Keston Hira goes two for four with three RBI and a run scored. Christian Yelich two for four. And then check out this bottom of the lineup. Luis Urias, the eight-place hitter, three for four with two runs scored. Orlando Arcia, the nine-place hitter, three for four with two RBI and three runs scored. And Ryan Braun went one for five with an RBI. Braun, by the way, batted leadoff. For the Cubs, nobody had multiple hits, but Steven Souza with two RBI, Jason Kipnis with two RBI, and two runs each scored by Wilson Contreras and Kyle Schwarber. Our next stop is Colorado, where the Rockies were looking to break out of a funk against the Rangers. And this ball's in the air to deep center field. Did he click it? You bet. Ryan McMahon, left on left, just gave the Rockies the lead. A three-run jack to center. That's the Ryan McMahon everybody has come to know. When you hear El Sonidito at Coors Field, you know it's a good thing if you're a Rockies fan. The third homer of the year for Ryan McMahon. Rockies outslug the Rangers 10-6 at Coors Field on Sunday afternoon. Rockies are 13-8. Rangers fall back to 500 at 10-10. Winning pitcher John Gray, he is 1-2. He allows three runs on three hits over seven innings, two walks and seven strikeouts. Colby Allard takes the loss. 
He is 0-1. He allows six runs on eight hits over three innings, one walk and four strikeouts. Carlos Estevez picks up the save, his first. He pitches to just one batter in the top of the ninth inning as the bases were loaded for Texas against Jairo Diaz, the assumed closer right now for Colorado. Texas scored two runs in the top of the second inning thanks to a Rugnet Odor two-run homer. Then Ryan McMahon gave the Rockies the lead with a three-run homer, followed by a Trevor Story RBI single and a Charlie Blackman RBI single. Rockies followed their five-run second with a one-run third on a Rymel Tapia RBI triple. Texas cut it to 6-3 with Joey Gallo's fifth homer of the season, a solo blast making it 6-3 Colorado. Then Rockies score two runs in the bottom of the fourth inning on a Trevor Story RBI double and a Charlie Blackman RBI double. And then the Rockies' last two runs of the game came on a Drew Butera two RBI double in the bottom of the fifth inning. For Colorado, big days for Trevor Story, Garrett Hampson, and Charlie Blackman. Each of them had two hits. Story two for five with two RBI and a run scored. Blackman two for three with two RBI and two walks. Hampson two for five with two runs scored. Matt Kemp goes two for four with three runs scored. Rymel Tapia three for four with an RBI and two runs scored. Ryan McMahon three RBI. Drew Butera two RBI. For Texas, Todd Frazier two for three with two runs scored. Rugnet Odor one for three with two RBI and two runs scored. Danny Santana, in a pinch-hitting role, goes one-for-one with two RBI for Texas. Also worth noting that Joey Gallo's homer was part of a one-for-three performance with one RBI and one run scored. We're just about done here on MLB Morning Coffee's recaps. we still got three games to go, so let's head down to sunny Southern California for the I-5 series between the Dodgers and the Angels. Muncy hits a towering drive, right center field, it is gone, way gone for Muncy to give the Dodgers the lead. Dodgers with a three-run third inning and a four-run fourth, they pound Anaheim 8-3 in Angel Stadium, Dodgers are 16-7, Angels are 7-15, Scott Alexander gets the win for Los Angeles, he is 1-0, he allows one run, on three hits over two innings, no walks and no strikeouts. Julio Teran takes the loss for Anaheim. He is 0-2. He allows four runs on six hits over three and third innings, one walk and three strikeouts. Dustin May got the start for L.A., but he did not go five innings. He allowed two runs on seven hits over four and a third. Dodgers are 16-7. and Angels are 7-15. and Home runs in the game, and we'll give you a recap of the third and the fourth innings for the Dodgers. Angels got the scoring started in the bottom of the first inning thanks to a Max Stassi RBI single, but then in his first at-bat as a major leaguer, Cabert Ruiz ties the game with a solo homer. Max Muncy then follows with a two-run homer to make it 3-1 Los Angeles, his fifth of the year. In the top of the fourth inning, Mookie Betts hits an RBI single, and then a three-run homer from Corey Seager, his fifth, to put L.A. up 7-1. Dodgers got their eighth run of the ball game thanks to Matt Beatty's second homer of the year. Angels had homers from Anthony Rendon, his sixth, and Brian Goodwin, his fourth. Each team had ten hits in this ball game. Mookie Betts and Corey Seager each had two hits for the Dodgers, 
Betts two for five with two runs scored and an RBI. Seager two for four with three RBI and one run scored. Matt Beatty goes three for four with two runs scored and an RBI. For the Angels, the only players with multiple hits, Brian Goodwin, two for three with an RBI and a run scored, and Joe Adele, he goes two for four. Mike Trout had a one for four performance. Down to the desert for the Diamondbacks and the Padres. Payoff right here. Escobar, deep right field. Say goodbye. It's been a long time coming, Eduardo Escobar. Eduardo Escobar with a clutch three-run homer in the bottom of the eighth inning. Diamondbacks hold on to beat the Padres 5-4. Arizona's back to 500. They're 11-11. Padres fall below 500. They're 11-12. Taylor Clark gets the win out of the Arizona bullpen. He is 1-0. He allows one unearned run in two innings, doesn't allow a hit, walks two, strikes out four. The loser, Emilio Pagan, he allows three runs on two hits in one inning, one walk, and two strikeouts. Archie Bradley picks up his sixth save for Arizona as he pitches a scoreless top of the ninth inning. Worth noting that Garrett Richards went seven innings of two-run baseball for San Diego. Six hits allowed, two walks, and two strikeouts. Robbie Ray had a no-hitter after five innings. He allowed one run, but he walked six, struck out four. Robbie Ray has certainly not been himself this season. The only two runs allowed by Garrett Richards came in the bottom of the third inning as Cole Calhoun hit a two-run homer, his sixth of the year for Arizona. In the top of the sixth, San Diego took the lead with a three-run frame. Eric Hosmer with a two-run homer to tie the game, and Josh Naylor with an RBI single to take the lead. Padres got an insurance run on a fielder's choice grounder from Tommy Pham to make it 4-2 to two before Eduardo Escobar hit his three-run homer. Statistically for Arizona, Cole Calhoun won for four with his two RBI on the two-run homer. Eduardo Escobar had a huge game, three for four with his three-run homer, three RBI, and one run scored. Cattell Marte also goes two for four for Arizona. For San Diego, they had just four hits on the game. Multi-RBI game, though, for Eric Hosmer. And this game, the Padres drew a lot of walks. They ended up drawing nine walks in the game. Manny Machado went 0 for 2, but he drew three walks. Austin Hedges went 0 for 2, but he drew two walks. Final game of the night, Sunday night baseball between the Yankees and the Red Sox. Handful of plays like that. He's going to score very well. And it looks like the Yankees are going to score a couple of runs here. Mazza tried to challenge Mike Ford with a fastball up around the shoulders. And it gets deposited into right center field. That Mike Ford two-run homer put the Yankees up 4-1. to one. They did not look back. They beat Boston 4-2. to two. They sweep the series against the Red Sox. Yankees are 15-6. Red Sox are 6-16. Boston has the worst record in the American League. They have lost seven in a row. For New York, they got on the board in the bottom of the first inning thanks to a Mike Ford RBI single. Added a run in the bottom of the second on an Aaron Hicks RBI double. Boston made it a 2-1 game thanks to Kevin Pillar's second homer of the year, but Mike Ford made it 4-1 in the bottom of the third inning with that two-run homer. Jose Peraza reached on a fielding error by Zach Britton as the Red Sox got it to a 4-2 game. I forgot to give you the decisions. 
Jay Happ gets the win. He is one and one. Five and two thirds innings of one run baseball, three hits, two walks, and three strikeouts. The loss goes to Chris Mazza. He is 0-1. He allows four runs on eight hits in three innings, one walk, and four strikeouts. Zach Britton picks up the save. His eighth, he allows an unearned run in the ninth inning. He also strikes out three. For New York, Mike Touchman goes two for four. Glaber Torres goes two for three with a run scored. Mike Ford, two for four with three RBI. And remember, the Yankees are missing Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton right now, so two of their best power hitters are shelved, and yet the Yankees are still finding a way to get the job done. Red Sox had just five hits in the game. Alex Verdugo, the only Red Sox with multiple hits, as he goes two for four. That's it for your recap of Sunday, August 16th, 2020. Now let's look ahead to today's ball games. Who cares? Let's check it out. Check it out! So I'm not going to give you the records because we're going to do a standings update in the next segment. I want to correct myself from the last segment. The Red Sox did not get swept by the Yankees because they still have one more game to play in the series. That will take place at 7.05 Eastern time at Yankee Stadium. Martin Perez for Boston. He is 2-2 with a 3.38 ERA against Jordan Montgomery for New York. He's 2-1 with a 5.17 ERA. The Cubs and Cardinals are going to play a doubleheader beginning at 4.15 Central Time. Game 1 starters, Kwang Young Kim for St. Louis. No record, an ERA of 9. Kyle Hendricks for Chicago, 3-1 with a 3.08 ERA. Neither team has announced their starter for Game 2. 7-10 Eastern in Atlanta, Nationals at the Braves. Anibal Sanchez for Washington, he's 0-3 with a 9.69 ERA. Tuki Toussaint for Atlanta, 0-1 with a 7.27 earned run average. 7-10 Eastern in Miami, Mets at the Marlins. Robert Gesellman for New York, no record in ERA of 9. Jordan Yamamoto for Miami, no record in 9.82 earned run average. 7.35 Eastern time, Blue Jays at the Orioles. Hinjin Ryu for Toronto, 1-1 with a 4.05 ERA. Alex Cobb for Baltimore, 1-1 with a 2.75 ERA. 7-10 Central Time, Royals at the Twins. Chris Bubich for Kansas City, 0-2, a 5-4 ERA for Minnesota. They are going to go with Matt Whistler. He is 0-1 with a 1-8 ERA. Tigers at the White Sox, 7-10 Central Time. Matthew Boyd for Detroit. He is 0-2 with a 10-24 ERA. Gio Gonzalez goes for Chicago, 0-1, a 6-6-1 earned run average. 8-0-5 Central Time in Texas. Padres at the Rangers, Zach Davies for San Diego, 2-2 two two with 2.78 ERA against Jordan Lyles for Texas, 1-1 one one with a 6.06 earned run average. 8-10 Central Time in Houston, Rockies at the Astros, Kyle Freeland for Colorado, he is 2-0 with a 2.45 earned run average, Brandon Belak for Houston, 2-0, a 1.76 ERA. A's at the Diamondbacks, 6.40 Pacific Time, Chris Bassett for Oakland, 2-0, a 2-4-2 ERA. Zach Gallen for Arizona, no record, a 2-7-4 earned run average. 6-40 Pacific time at Dodger Stadium. Mariners at the Dodgers. Justin Dunn for Seattle, 1-1, a 4-8-5 ERA. Ross Stripling for Los Angeles, 3-1, and a 3-9-7 ERA. 6-40 at Angel Stadium, Pacific time. Tyler Anderson for San Francisco as the Giants take on the Angels. Anderson 0-1 with a 3.63 ERA. Griffin Canning for Anaheim 
0-3 with a 4-4-2 earned run average. That is your slate of games for today. Now let's take a look at the standings and some league leaders. Hi, Chris. So taking a look at the standings, remember the top two teams in each division all get into the playoffs. So in six divisions, you get at least two teams, and then the two teams with the next best records that are not amongst those top two. So let's start with the American League first. In the AL East, the Yankees lead the AL East at 15-6. and six. Tampa is two games back at 14-9. and nine. Baltimore, three games back at 12-9. and nine. Toronto, six and a half back at 7-11. and 11. Red Sox are nine and a half back at 6-16. Six and 16. In the AL Central, Minnesota leads at 14 and 8. Cleveland is one back at 13 and 9. White Sox are three back at 11 and 11. The Tigers, even though they've played less games, they are three and a half back at 9 and 10. Kansas City five back at 9 and 13. In the AL West, the A's are at 16 and 6. They're four and a half clear of the Astros, who are at 11 and 10. Texas is five back at 10 and 10. Angels are 7-15, and 15. they're 9 back. Mariners are 7-16, and 16. they are 9.5 back. So if the season ended today, your 7 and 8 seeds would be the Baltimore Orioles at 12-9 and nine, and then the Astros at 11-10 because the Astros have a better winning percentage just by half game than the White Sox. And to give you those numbers, Astros 524, White Sox at 500. In the National League, the Miami Marlins and the Atlanta Braves are technically tied because of their differential in wins to losses, which is three. Marlins are 9-6. and six, Braves are 13-10. Two back are the Phillies, who are at 8-9. and nine. Washington's three back at 8-11. and 11. Mets are four back at 9-14. and 14. In the NL Central, the Cubs are leading at 13-6. Milwaukee, three-and-a-half back at 10-10. St. Louis is technically three and a half back, but they're at four and four. Cincinnati, four and a half back, nine and 11. Pittsburgh, eight and a half back at four and 14. In the NL West, the Dodgers are 16 and seven. They're two games clear of Colorado at 13 and eight. Arizona, four and a half back at 11 and 11. San Diego, five back at 11 and 12. Giants are eight back at eight and 15. So this is a little bit more confusing. I'm going to throw the Cardinals out here because they've only played eight games. So if you had to go with your next two wildcard teams, they would be for sure the Arizona Diamondbacks, who are 11 and 11. San Diego's 11 and 12. Philly is 8 and 9. The winning percentage is slightly better for San Diego, and I'll give them the edge because they've played and won more games. A lot still to get sorted out, but remember, let's take a look at the Oakland A's, who I think have played the maximum amount of games. Actually, let's look at the Dodgers, who have played their maximum amount of games thus far. Dodgers are 16-7, and which, by my math, means they've played 23 games. So we are seven games away from being halfway through the season. That is so weird to think about. Now let's take a look at some of the stats. Your top five in batting average. At 446, and that is a league qualifier, Colorado's Charlie Blackman. DJ LeMahieu of the Yankees second at 411. Donovan Solano for the Giants third at 403. Jesse Winker for Cincinnati fourth at 365. Bryce Harper for Philly fifth at 364. In terms of the amount of hits, 
It doesn't change that much from top to bottom. Charlie Blackman, 37 hits, leads the league. Tied for second are three guys. Hanser Alberto for Baltimore, DJ LeMahieu for New York, Cattell Marte for Arizona. In fifth place is Donovan Solano. He has 29. In terms of home runs, it will be Aaron Judge, Fernando Tatis Jr., and Mike Trout all tied at nine. Tied at eight, Mookie Betts, Nick Castellanos, Matt Olson, and JT Real Muto. So you've got seven guys that are all bunched up there. I bet that there is somebody that ends up getting to 20. I don't know who it is, but somebody will get to 20. RBI now, two tied at the top, Charlie Blackman and Anthony Santander at 22. Tied for third at 21, Nelson Cruz and Fernando Tatis Jr. And then tied for fifth, Aaron Judge and Brandon Lau. In terms of stolen bases, and again, this is not a big year for steals, Andres Gimenez, Tommy Pham, and Jonathan Villar, who play for the Mets, Padres, and Marlins, respectively, each have six tied at five are John Birdie of Miami, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa of Texas, and Adalberto Mondesi of Kansas City. Also have to throw in there three more guys, Dylan Moore of Seattle, Austin Slater of San Francisco, and Fernando Tatis Jr. of San Diego. My apologies, by the way, if I have not been consistent in regards to saying what team a guy plays for. If you've listened this far in the episode, you probably know who plays for what team amongst some of the big names. Now let's go to the pitching side of things. ERA, Lance Lynn of Texas, he has a 1-1-1 earned run average. Max Fried of Atlanta, 1-2-4. Shane Bieber of Cleveland, 1-30. Randy Dobnak of Minnesota, 1-42. Frankie Montas of Oakland, 1-57. Innings pitch, Shane Bieber, 34 and two-thirds. Lance Lynn, 32 and a third. Herman Marquez of Colorado, 32. Sonny Gray of Cincinnati, 30 and two-thirds. Garrett Cole and Dallas Keuchel of the Yankees and White Sox tied for fifth at 29 and a third. Wins. Shane Bieber, Sonny Gray, Randy Dobnak, and Garrett Cole each have four wins. There is a plethora of guys that have three wins. They include Dylan Bundy, Dylan Cease, Hugh Darvish, Max Fried, Kyle Hendricks, Jonathan Hernandez, Merrill Kelly, Dallas Keuchel, Aaron Loop, Lance Lynn, Kenta Maeda, David Peterson, Antonio Senzatella, Ross Stripling, and Zach Wheeler. Strikeouts. Now, this is a big one because Shane Bieber is outpacing everybody in this category. He has 54 strikeouts. The next highest is Sonny Gray at 45. Max Scherzer has 39, the Nationals ace. Aaron Nola of Philly at 37. Denilson LeMay and Lance Lynn are tied for fifth at 36. And here's a good one. Opponents batting average against your top five are Lance Lynn at 111, Adam Wainwright of St. Louis at 135, although that is skewed because he has only pitched 11 innings, Aaron Nola, 148, Dylan Bundy, 150, and Denilson LeMay, 152. I hope that you enjoyed our rundown of the stats. We are going to do that every Monday along with the standings, and as the playoffs draw closer, we will talk more about our power rankings, where teams seem to slot in. But as we're going to get closer to the halfway point of the season, I think we're going to have a pretty darn good idea of who is and who isn't going to be in the playoffs. I have a couple of locks. I have three locks for teams that are going to end up in the playoffs. My number one lock is the LA Dodgers. My number two lock is the Oakland A's. My number three lock is 
is the Chicago Cubs. And I said I had three. I'm going to add four. My number four lock is the New York Yankees. So I will guarantee at this point that all four of those teams will be in the playoffs. If one of them isn't, then you can put me in a cannon and fire me into Jupiter. But anyway, this has been a long episode, so we are going to say goodbye here on MLB Morning Coffee, a production of the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco, California. Have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the baseball tonight. And as always, we will catch you in the AM.